You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my home. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast that explores the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. You can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter at TheBatmanBC. You can also email for questions, comments, reviews, recommendations, or anything Batman at all at TheBatmanBC at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Now for this episode... It's a big undertaking because I want to take one of the analyze one of the biggest Batman stories, both uh, physically and the the other term for physically, emotionally, the long Halloween. But I don't want to do that by myself because that wouldn't be very exciting. So joining me today is Easy E 2.0 himself, Eric Holzman. Well, hello, Eric. What's up? <laughs> All right, thanks, Eric. You're you're out. <laughs> We're over that. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. I'm glad that uh, I'm able to have you on here for episode number two. Eric, for everybody listening, is the producer of the Batman Book Club. Yes, yes, yes I am. I am the producer. Uh, so anything, any complaints really need to come to me, not to Ryan. <laughs> any and all complaints direct at Eric, who receives no credits, but all complaints. That's how, that's the, the life of a producer. Right? Yep. I mean, the job I of a producer. I would know. That's what I get paid for. Exactly. Uh, so, Eric, let's – for anybody that may not be familiar with your voice, that'd be – That'd be insane. We both actually met through BatmanOnFilm.com, and we podcasted quite a bit together through that site with uh, Ryan Haas and Garrett Grev. Garrett Grev will be the guest the next episode, and Ryan Haas will be a little down the road. Anyways, that's where <laughs> we met, and we've been uh, talking Batman as well as life itself for a few years. That's true. Yeah, you know, BOF has brought a lot of people together. Um, we are too, but as we've discussed, we've become not only podcasting partners, but friends with Pete Vera and Garrett Grev and Ryan Haas and Rick Chu and all the other uh, well-known Bill. names from Batman. Awesome. Yes, Bill. <laughs> I guess Bill too, the, Sorry. the runner and operator, CEO of uh, the site. Sorry, Bill. Sorry, Bill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Bill too. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's been, um, you know, it's been cool. Not only getting to know you, not only getting to share our love of Batman together, but also getting to know you guys and becoming friends. Um, yeah. That's also been awesome. So, yes, it has. And one of these days, we will actually get to. That's the that's the funny thing too, is we've never met in person, but it's not going to be weird the day that that finally happens because it's just I don't know. If we're friends. Like I met Ryan Haas yeah. in person and it was not awkward at all. And we, we sat at a place called burgers and beers in Illinois and we had a burger and we had a beer and we just shot the shit for about four hours. 
And then you had we burgers and beers at, bur- <laughs> at burgers, burgers and beers. Because yeah. be- <laughs> there was a there was a I'm in Chicago and he was in um, Champagne for something with his work. And we were like, OK, this is the closest that we've been and could ever be. We need to find what is like in the middle. So neither of us is driving the full way and whatnot. And there was like out in the middle of nowhere, a restaurant exactly in the middle called Burgers and Beer and said, let's do it. And they were not misleading. <laughs> they served burgers and beer and we were like, we got to take them up on the offer. So, but anyways, I don't, I, it'll be curious where you and I will meet up someday. Yeah. We're all talking about it. So we'll see when that actually happens. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yep. Soon. So, hopefully. So the long Halloween, before we get to that, I want to ask you, what is your favorite Batman story? It's between uh, the long Halloween, Arkham Asylum and Hush. Those are the three Batman stories that depending on the day you ask me, I, I probably would say is my favorite. It's very respectable. <laughs> Not really. I'd say maybe maybe Arkham Asylum's a little bit of a wild card in that. Yeah, it's not one of the ones that people will. Uh, it's not one of the ones that I from people I know that they like very much. Um, it's just different. I mm-hmm. like I like when a story is different, and that one to me is um, is a little different, a little bit more macabre. I just I I like it. So I really dig that one too and just like you said of pending the mood that can definitely be one where I'll just I just want to sit, just read, absorb and just hmm and I'll pick up something kind of different I think each time. That's not one that I revisit a lot and I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the reason cuz I like going back to it and I know what happens but I don't know every single panel of every page and then it's kind of a oh yeah, oh yeah sort of deal so Right. Good calls. Good calls. That's funny, though, because the long Halloween is my favorite. <laughs> yes, we've discussed it. that, but I just want to reiterate that the long Halloween is my favorite Batman story. And when I ask that question, I mean, basically through reading, uh, like it doesn't necessarily have to mean comics, but, you know, it could be a novel or something like that. But usually everybody takes it as their favorite comic. This is my favorite Batman story. Out of the video games to movies, TV shows, yeah. anything. This is my favorite. If you're on an island, you can only take one thing with you. It would be my absolute edition of Batman The Long Halloween. I would yeah. read it till the day that I died of starvation and was eaten by a shark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 got everything in it, really. Um, which is why one of the things I think... You know, it's so great about it. And when you pick it up, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's short. It's, it's, it's a nice length. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know. It takes a while to get through. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I read it yesterday again in like one sitting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's just. It's possible. Yeah. You can do it. Um, Obviously, it helps if you know what's coming. So if you need mm-hmm. to, you know, move past a little bit, you can. But um, no, I just think it's it's like I said, it's long, but it's it's an easy read. I think I don't think it's a hard read. So, yep, yeah. I agree. So we'll just we'll dig in right away. Of it was released actually in October of 1996 and ended in October 1997. Thirteen consecutive issues. Yeah on time of like a prestige formatted book and they never missed their release date, which is pretty, which is pretty amazing, especially for DC, DC books. Uh, 
written by Jeff Loeb, drawn by Tim Sale, coming off their three Halloween specials, which are now collected in Haunted Night. And they said 13 issues, but actually the first and the 13th issue are both double issues. So basically it's 15, like 15 issues right. all yep. in a year's time. I mean, that. so no, it's not a little rinky dink bedtime story for the kids. Right. This is a, this is a dense book and it was released in its first 13 prestige format issues. It's been re-released in a, in trade paperbacks and hardcovers, a noir edition, but like I just mentioned, my favorite version that came out is the Absolute Edition. I This was my first Absolute Edition book I bought, ever bought, and it really raised the bar on what an Absolute Edition should be. Because there's, you know, there's interviews with, because it was released in 2006, so there was an interview with David Goyer and Christopher Nolan talking about Dark Knight's influence or the Long Halloween's influence on Batman Begins and mostly The Dark Knight, which you and I will probably bring up later. Yes. And it, there's so, there's interviews with Loeb and Sale in the back, as well as like proposals for the story and all of that, because I'm I'm a history buff anyway. I really like stories and the creations of things. So to get all of that insight from the creators themselves, like it, it's it's awesome to me. And that's the version I read for this podcast so what versions do you have oh yeah it's also available digitally like because digital is kind of the way people are going these days which version did you do you have or did you read for this or i only have the paperback graphic novel um i don't know which version it would be i'd have to look at the but is it basically him on the front like his cape and then everything's kind of that cover, that version was actually the first version that I bought in 2003. And that was the first time I'd ever read the story because that was when I first started working. I had my own money, ended up at a store that had Batman comics. And I'm like, I have to buy all of them. And that was the first one that I bought in which the uh, cashier said, oh, my God, this is such a good story. And I'm like, well, duh, it's Batman. And then I read it, changed my life. When did you first <laughs> read it? Oh, uh, I only... I, I read some of the issues back when it was released. I remember I never, I didn't read all of them together. But I remember reading some of the issues um, back when they first came out. And then I probably didn't read it again until, uh, until it came out in this format. And I, I actually got it at an old library that's showing my age, um, <laughs> but I got it at a library and I took it out and that was probably in around, I would say around 2000, 2001 in that area. I would assume I think the date could be wrong, but it was somewhere in that area where I read it cover to cover. I just remember thinking to myself, why didn't I read it all at once? Like I didn't read all the issues when they came out <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I remember really, really enjoying it. Even the first time I read it. And then as we've talked about offline, as we talked about together, then of course, when everything started happening with Nolan's movies and with begins in the dark night, you started to see, you started to feel all the, you could see the connection from this to this book, from this book to those movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you can definitely, and I don't think, I think it's inarguable now that the influence of year one is all over Batman begins. And then mm-hmm. the influence of the dark night is all over see <laughs> the long Halloween is all over the dark night. That's the second time I've done that already <laughs> Yes, because they're, they're just attached. I think 
Ugh, man, so good. Ugh. So basically, the blunt of the story is as we are introduced, it's a continuation of characters and story. What the seeds that year one planted, they're right. starting to sprout with the long Halloween. The Harvey Dent, the district attorney, is with James Gordon trying to tighten their grip on crime in Gotham City. And they allow Batman in on this to help them in their fight because he can do things that they can't. They promise to not cross the line, but basically creep up right next to it. While the risks involved of taking on the mob brings in the rise of the freaks. So the the Joker and Catwoman and Scarecrow, Mad Hatter, Solomon Grundy, I mean Batman's Rogues Gallery in the as the as the story evolves, Harvey starts to lose it. The crime uh, the organized crime starts to reduce, but the rise of the villains kind of it's a what's the term that I'm looking for here? What? Like offsets. As one goes down, the other goes up. So this whole yeah. story to me is Counteracts. the rise. Yeah, it's the rise of of the supervillains and the the cost of doing the right thing. That's a very broad <laughs> summary of the story because there are so many elements because it is 300 pages of dense storytelling and great character beats and great action and great emotion and beautiful pages. I think this, I don't know that there's a more dense Batman story out there. Uh, I maybe hush, I think just because of its size, Mm -hmm. but as far as like the emotional uh, toll between characters and what's at stake and the, the wins and the losses. I think this is just the most dramatic book, Batman book that's out there. Yeah. And it, it's, it's based on a similar, uh, uh, I want to say similar. I'm trying to think of the word now. I'm, I can't think of it. It's based on oh, a common, based on a common story that we all kind of cling to. Many people cling to is like a whodunit type thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of us, I think, uh, well, most people I think are drawn to those stories because the whole time you're, you're trying to also figure out, you know who this person is, who, mm-hmm. and this it happens to be who is the killer, who's Holiday, um, that we're trying to figure out, and then um, you have multiple possibilities, and then you have uh, it actually turns out to be multiple th- multiple people in a way. So mm-hmm. it's just the way that um, I love those. For me personally, I love those kind of books where you're just you're drawn into it, and like I said, it's a page turner. That's why I can I can read it in one sitting, no matter how many times I've read it, because I'm still drawn in every time uh, to the story. So yeah, I think we don't have to go linear, sequential with all of this. Let's just go right into the holiday part because I think that's a great a great way to hook anybody. It's a yes. great genre to dip into is mystery. Up, who done it? Yep. Plant the seeds like they do in this. Uh, amongst other things. And that's almost the the through line of the entire story because yep. they remind you 
amongst everything else that's happening, what's the constant? Every issue, there is a murderer that we don't know taking out people. So every issue you're figuring out, you're trying to piece it together of like, oh, the holiday killer shot and killed this person. What's the clue? What's the angle? Yeah. And then it's ultimately revealed in the second to last episode that it's, I mean, we can say it here, it's or episode issue <laughs> that it's Alberto Falcone. Now, as you try to piece it together, you know, once it's revealed, it's if you're reading it month to month, you'd have plenty of time of like, oh, crap, I've got a whole month. I can go back and reread everything and see if I can pick up the hints, pick up the clues in which they're kind of there aren't really any. So I felt it was kind of an oddball, oddball choice and such like a wild card. Yeah, it's um, I guess kind of dramatically some of the hints are there. And yeah. this, the so the version that you have, the paperback version that you have, I think it's alluded to in the, in that one, but it was added. I th- I don't know if it was specifically for for or exclusively to the absolute edition, and now it's canon that at the end of the New Year's ep- uh, issue, which is chapter four, you have Falcone. And police with the Gotham City coroner, and basically the cor- like the coroner saying, "Oh, they found Alberto's body." Yeah, it was drawn in two thousand six or released mm-hmm. in two thousand six. Initially, which is in one of the interviews in the Absolute Edition, they commented on the fact that they had a coroner coroner yes page drawn, but they they weren't able to put it in. Which I'm kind of surprised they can't. It's like it's two pages. That's all, and. We see the coroner later on. He becomes one of the victims, and this is just like a mm-hmm. oh, a face that we see again. But anyways, so we don't see Alberto's, oh, he's dead, bloody. But it's right. kind of like at that point in the story, it's like, oh, my gosh, now it's Alberto Falcone. Things up to that point, it's heavily lopsided. Falcone and, Falcone's men are the ones that are getting shot and killed by Holiday. So right. it really works in the story. Yeah, it it makes um, what's it called? Like you, they show a panel where it looks like something happened to him. Yeah, when he's on the when he's on the, it's on the boat, right? I think or on the yeah, pier. he's on a he's on a yacht and he's on yeah, a yacht. He like leans over like Ugh. yeah, <laughs> right. And you see that, but then you just see the next scene. You see is um, the sister. I always forget her name, Carla. Carla Vitti. Right? Carla, yeah, Carla's running away, and then you just see like the dropped glass and like stuff there on the floor and you don't see him anymore so yeah so we do get that but again we and then now as you said they put in the originally we didn't have that and then they put in the the page where you actually see a body where he finds the body so so alberto's motivation at the end is that basically like you never noticed me dad and he wanted to blah 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 whatever but there's multiple holiday killers and there's Definitely they lobe and sail lead you in this because after the full panel of like the bloody the bloody water of Alberto fell in the water, mm-hmm. the next panel is Dent showing up at his house and right. his wife says, Harv, your hair's all wet and he said, It's yeah. been snowing. But he's wearing a hat. If he's wearing a hat, why is his head wet? Bum, exactly. bum, bum. <laughs> yeah. So that's true. It, that's suspect, but then Alberto ends up claiming being the holiday killer. And then technically Harvey Dent as Two-Face shoots and kills Falcone right. on Halloween. Technically he is a holiday killer. Yes. 
and it, double twist. What? <laughs> There's another holiday killer at the very end. That nobody would have seen coming. Nobody would have seen coming. Gilda Dent, Harvey's yep. wife. And she yep. kind of explains just enough in detail to make you believe, oh, yeah, she was really part of it. And that she yep. did like the first two or she did the first three. And then Harvey came back on for New Year's head wet. And that's kind of what led her to believe, oh, Harvey's doing it, too. And it's their yeah. little secret. Now, yep. three holiday killers. Got a question for you, Eric. Mm-hmm. How did they not overlap? There's no discussion amongst the three that they're holiday killers. It's just Dent, Harvey, he just miraculously stopped on New Year's, stopped right. killing people. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, he started then, apparently. Gilda was doing it up until then, never picked it up again. And then Alberto just started on Valentine's Day and took over the rest. Like, that's for me, I think that's almost for me a a hook to get me to read the book over and over again is trying to figure out it just doesn't seem things don't seem to add up for some reason with that now i know i've read it like 59 times so i'm obsessing over the smallest details but that's kind of my yeah that's a good question yeah that's that's a good question how did that yeah i don't know were you pleased by the end of the story if you can remember the first time reading it that there were three of them and they all made sense yeah, like at the time when you when I finished it, I you just think okay, um, they just did the killing. Like I never thought to to think of like why they why all of a sudden did they stop or like why didn't they overlap and continue and then crap he's there I see him maybe he just disappeared when he saw <laughs> that someone mm-hmm. else is there you know like it's it does it puts that thought now that you say that it does put that in your mind like why um how come they didn't overlap or. If I have ruined the story for you, I'm sorry. If I have made the story better for you, then you're welcome. I think it's good. Um, It's always good food for thought. Um, Because like you said, especially for people who who enjoy it so much, they go back to read it. And if anyone else has an answer out there, like, or you an answer, hit Ryan and I up. Let us know. (laughs) Yeah. Tweet, email, something, or just send us an audio message. I mean, hey, dumbasses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let us know because that's a very good question. My feelings will be hurt, but I'll go over it quick and I'll appreciate your answer. So so there's our main through line here of the the whodunit. Oh, three mm-hmm. people did it. Now let's rewind a little bit. And this, it's called Batman, The Long Halloween. Batman is the star of the show. Yep. Yes, totally get it. He's, he's still somewhat, I don't think he's new at this, but I mean, he's a few years in. It's established that he's working with Gordon. He's mm-hmm. not, the police are not out to get him, but he's still, he's still playing mysterious. Right. And in the shadows. And as it's alluded to when they walk through Arkham Asylum, that Gordon kind of alludes that there's more, uh, there's twice as many as when he first started dressing up. There's like insinuating Batman's kind of responsible for this escalation. Right. Of the freaks, if you will, which is very justifiable. But I just don't – I don't know that – between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, you know, they there's like what? It's like six months or something. Yeah. I think there's a – definitely it's a longer gap between year one and The Long Halloween. Yeah, I think so too. I think even in some of the uh, 
the way that the confidence Batman has seems to have now. Mm-hmm. That, that's of a guy who's been doing this for a while and he's well set in, you know, what he's doing and he, he has his ways about him and he's going to stick to it. Even though in this story he does get pushed, um, mm-hmm. you know, they and they he makes – uh, he's the narrator, so he like references that he does get pushed to the to um, breaking his one rule that we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you hear that, but he definitely does seem like a much more grounded, solid character than in year one. I think so. It's almost you can measure it and almost equally say this is just as much a Harvey Dent story, kind of like. In the Dark Knight. You can say this is a Harvey Dent story. And it's like, yes, but just on a layer outside of that is Batman. Batman's always involved somehow. Like, it's always linking back to Batman. Mm -hmm. Everything is. So, I think he's he's lurking somewhere on it in every page. Yeah. But I just, I love, I don't know, I think I just love Batman's presence in this entire story. And it's such a gut punch to him of he has now he's expanded his his allies he doesn't just have gordon who's such a force with the gcpd he now has the city's district attorney on his side too in that beautiful panel of the three of them on the rooftop making their making their pact so the whole story is a tragedy which Batman shares with Gordon because Gordon, we even see Gordon going to Dent's house and him and his wife are friends with Dent and his wife and everything. But this is such a, this weighs so heavily on, on Bruce and Batman in which that panel of kind of like the first time that in Falcone's penthouse, the first time that batman sees two-face because harvey's two-face now sale does such a really it's a simple it's like kind of simple art in a sense but it emotes so so much and he just is like harvey like holy shit yeah yeah like when you turn and when you turn that page and you see all of them Mm -hmm. all all the villains on the one page oh my gosh that yeah, that that's a page. I was just said the same thing. Every time I read, it, I'm like, there it is again. There's the page. They're all there. <laughs> I think I just drink that one in. <laughs> yeah, I, you kind of just what watch I, it, look at it. And, okay, so awesome. Mad Hatter, Solomon Grundy, Joker, Two Face, Poison Ivy. Oh yeah, I didn't mention her at the top. Scarecrow, Catwoman, and there standing up in the center of the desk is Penguin, who we have not seen at all in the story, but just pops in for this. Then gets yep. his ass kicked. And then that's it until Dark Victory. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't bother me at all because I was just like, oh, cool. This is Tim Sale's version of, of Penguin. <laughs> well, the other thing, the other character who's not in that shot, but who plays a big role is Calendar Man, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Calendar Man who – so I didn't – I was aware of Batman knowledge growing up, but I didn't mm-hmm. – I wasn't able to get tons of books or anything and – you know, internet was very new when I was a kid. So I, when I was a teenager, once I started making money, I started buying Batman books. That's when I started to learn about all these characters and the Scarecrow. I didn't, I'd seen in some first comics that I read and Joker to face, you know, the usuals, but calendar man, I thought, Oh, this is the calendar man. And then I looked 
up his history and saw the original versions of Calendar Man, I said, oh, I much prefer the long Halloween version of Calendar Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's, so, I mean, at the time it worked for what it was trying to do, but. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously there's a very uh, Hannibal Lecter-ish oh, feel yeah. to him in this movie, right? Like, I mean, sorry, see, I'm calling it a movie in this book. Um, you definitely have that. Again, I'm going to bring up Anthony. You know, I'm going to bring Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins. Like you, the even the drawing of him. Like when I look at the drawing, I even think of that mm-hmm. to, in my head. I'm like, Anthony Hopkins could do this. Like, it'd be great and kill it, and because you have the Hannibal Lecter reference, mm-hmm. so definitely. It's so but I, yeah, I don't think Calendar Man's helpful in any way. So there's another hook for me is trying to figure out like, oh, alluding to here. I feel like he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Well, he does plant the one seed that it could be a female. Um, that's true. That, I guess that's, that's the true. one seed that he plants in the beginning because Batman even says, why do you keep saying she at one point? He, like, he keeps saying, like, why do you keep saying she? Mm-hmm. Um, and But he'll say it both. He'll be like, he and you're right. He killed again, and so did she. Or he says things like that in the book where you're, you're like, okay, he keeps referencing that it could be a female. Um, so he maybe he does know. The question is how. <laughs> like, how does he know? Because he's a genius. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, I the thing. I, yeah. So, I spend time on it, but it does not in any way ruin the, the story for me or anything. It's just like I take a second after, you know, after one of the scenes with him and thinking about his dialogue of like – did he nail anything on the head here? Does it really connect to, does he know? And I, I think I've always led to, he doesn't know, but now you saying that, that's a, that's a good point of, well, he does plant the seed that it could be female and look at at the very end, the surprise, the surprise killer. Gilda Dent. Right. And then, and then that, now you could say, well, he knew all along, right? Like you can, if you double back and you want to say that, well, yeah, he's the one who knew all along and he was just being his, devious self <laughs> the story is up to you because you could say no he didn't know and that's supported you could say he did know not supported so yeah he's actually of all the villains in this he's actually my favorite because of that really oh uh, yeah um he's my favorite part of the book because uh again if you pulled him out of it it doesn't hurt the book it'd probably be just as good yeah. But he adds that extra level of intrigue. He has that extra mm-hmm. level of suspense. He does plant that again, plant the seed that it could be a female. So he's kind of pulling the strings, but not at the same time. And I'm going to read this again, and I'm going to come up to Calendar Man. I'm be like, really, Eric? Favorite villain? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just in Another, this. Just in this story. Yeah. No, it's, it's valid. I couldn't think of the story without Calendar Man now, for sure. It was my introduction to the character – couldn't have been a better introduction for him. Right. But another villain in this story that plays that sneaks in and out pretty well is Catwoman yeah. and her flirty relationship with Batman, which I think is played out so well in this book. I think mm-hmm. this this to me was amongst my first readings of comics with that relationship. And so it was really presented, I think, really well of Catwoman you can't call her a villain, but she's not an ally. She's out for herself, but does just enough teasing that you're like, she really likes, she likes Batman. And then you get the Selena Bruce angle too. And that relationship is, is written and drawn really well too, that I just think, Oh, this is, this is the perfect display of their relationship. Like, I don't think I've read anything since this and please tell me a better example were a better display of their relationship than this book. 
no this is yes it's it's a perfect display of her like mm-hmm. of the character the character she is so yeah i i can't think of anything else that would would highlight their relationship better than this book um she has her heroic moments mm-hmm. and then she has her villainy moments mm-hmm. and all her all her heroic moments obviously have to do with saving batman or doing something for batman in some way so I've, there's another one too which she tries but it doesn't work out but uh yeah i mean she's their relationship in this and then obviously like you said if you look at even something like dark knight rises you kind of have that there as well yeah like it's similar it's the, right it's a it's a tease yes it's just it's the tease. tease because they the relationship has been expanded upon like i could even say more currently of, you know, Tom King's run really expanded that relationship and we saw the more personal moments. And I think it's fair to say that that it was very divisive. So it's kind of like with a lot of teases on things of, oh, the, the tease is there. Will they, won't they? Okay, they did. Yay. Well, now what do we do with it? Right. And it's kind of like the excitement's over a little bit in reading that. So I think they do expand upon their relationship in the next part of this story dark victory and i think that they do really well with that because it's sort of a tease and then she did Loeb and seal did their own book of uh, catwoman when in rome that kind of ties ties the uh the bow if you will on her relationship to falcone because they plant that seed in the story too and Batman mm-hmm. keeps asking too of like, you're always there when it's having to do with Falcone. Why? And we don't get the answer to that. So I could see the frustration if you were a reader following along with the story and you're not getting an answer. I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, why? Why? Huh? Why? Why? <laughs> hey! But but it just, it's again, it, that's another thing that makes the book so good. It just adds another mm-hmm. element, right? Another layer yes. to the story and to the characters. And you know, that's what we've been talking about. The layers to mm-hmm. this to this thing are so deep and you can really, the reader really can go in a number of directions depending on how they're reading it, how they're absorbing the information. Yeah. That's why, again, like I love the movie Knives Out. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. I have. Um, but, but like that, right? Like you have, it's similar. You have the whodunit. It's a whodunit story. You're sitting there the whole time and you're just really trying to you know, figure it out and anything you're trying like to that. be smarter than the writer yes. slash director and yep. you're not spoiler alert. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, you're not, but it, it's, it's fun. It's a fun challenge in the process. Yeah. So another, so it's two more aspects that I want to, I want to touch on the next would be the hero of Batman year one, Jim Gordon. Mm-hmm. So while he in no way gets shortchanged here, I also don't think he's dealt as many blows in a sense as Batman and maybe just as much as Batman, uh, but definitely not as much as Harvey. But he's he's worked this alliance with Batman and he's really worked on this alliance with Dent, you know, the three of them working together. And I feel like the Gordon's the the stable one of the three. He's definitely holding it, everything in check and trying to pursue the same end game and the same goal as Batman and Dent. It's affecting him just as much because he's got, he's got a wife and he has a newborn child and the, and it's the almost the most heartbreaking, I think, and that could sound overdramatic, but 
panel for Gordon is definitely in the second issue with Thanksgiving and how he's, well, he says earlier in that chapter of decent people are at home having, having Thanksgiving dinner with their families. And then you get that panel almost towards the end where he's just at home. Mm-hmm. He just arrives. The dinner is hot and it's just, it's on the table by, and he's just going to have Thanksgiving dinner alone. Yep. Barbara made it, but the cost of his fight and his pursuit of this, he's, it's really hurting their marriage, which they expand upon in the next chapter. Mm-hmm. But Gordon kind of pops in and out here. I think of the three, cause I would say the three stars of this are definitely Batman, Dent and Gordon. Gordon's probably like number three on the call sheet. Yeah, he's he's not as prominent, but he's the, again. He I would call him some probably the moral compass, right? He's the, yeah, definitely. He's the one. Yeah, he's the one that you have Batman, who's obviously on the edge, and then Harvey, and this is on the edge, and and Gordon's always just like, no, we need to stay the course and push forward, and you know, do things the right way, do things the way we agree to. So that's yeah, I would agree with you that. Um, He's probably third fiddle in this, but again, he's the, like I said, he's the moral compass. He's the one that's always taking the story back in the direction that the Mm -hmm. quote unquote good guys need to go. And he definitely tells a fascinating story about growing up in Chicago and when they turned the river green for St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Yes. And since St. Patrick's Day is in a few days. (laughs) Yeah, it's. Uh, and I live in Chicago and I, right. I did not make it to see the river get turned green live, but I mm-hmm. was there right afterwards. So like now I can finally picture it. Gordon made me want to come to Chicago on St. Patrick's Day. Thank <laughs> you, Jim Gordon. However, I don't think they ever closed the schools so they could see it down, <laughs> go downtown and see the parade. They do the parades on Saturday, either before or after St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day. Yeah. Schools aren't on Saturdays. Although if they had a parade this St. Patrick's Day, everybody could make it because nobody's working or going to school. But yeah, small My, crowd, uh, please. Yep, the New York one. I I live in New York, obviously, and the New York one, which is the most famous one, is is not going on either. They um canceled it too. So for this St. Patrick's Day, you and I can just read that chapter of the Long Halloween. <laughs> yep. We can <laughs> text each other sh- pictures of, of <laughs> Irish whiskey and Guinness if we want to. <laughs> Irish, yeah, exactly. And then I'll, I'll send a picture of Bruce standing there, his shirt split open and poison ivy all over his chest and be like, hey, right. happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's uh, such a cool that's such a cool shot too. How they did that. That is, that. and so yeah. that's poison. So poison ivy. She's present in three issues: uh, Valentine's Day is when she's introduced, St. Patrick's Day is where she really takes hold, and then she shows up in the big confrontation at the end of the book. But she does play a a really cool role for poison ivy. Now, Tim Sale's design of her is definitely not my favorite. Right. Uh, it just seems like this wild bush and then oh there's a face and some legs that sounds right right. i know (laughs) (laughs) green bush anyways um, for st patrick's day okay that's it we're done (laughs) that's it yep done poison (laughs) ivy moving on but it's it's cool in in how it does come into play with the whole story because we were talking about the the rise of the of the rogues and you know, the, the dying of organized crime. Well, this could almost be the, the merging the two because it's, we find out at the end of St. Patrick's day that it's Falcone that paid to get poison Ivy to try and corrupt Bruce 
for Falcone Imports and his money and everything because Bruce Bruce was the big barrier of accomplishing a big task for Falcone, his money. And Poison Ivy played a big part in that. So I thought that her usage in the story is really cool, even though I don't necessarily care for the design. But like story can definitely make the design like it doesn't enhance yeah. the design. So yeah, she, she was, she's basically just a plot device and there you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's what she was. She was, they did, they used her ability to make Bruce do something that he wouldn't normally do because he was under her quote unquote spell. So, you know, that's yeah. Like I, again, I don't love the design either. It's like you said, it's very uh, floral. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I won't use the other term, but uh, she, uh, yeah, she definitely has a big, big role in this based on, um, excuse me, when it comes to the plot. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, the the final character that I'd like to discuss with you tonight is that of Harvey Dent, district attorney. Yes. Because as we've already mentioned, this could argue, be argued as a Harvey Dent story. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, the definitive two-face origin story yes because i used to you know so let's let's say i have read this 59 times mm-hmm. the first 49 i always forgot how long until he was turned into two-face mm-hmm. like you know that it's coming and so i couldn't imagine reading this month to month and just being like i know he's i know he's going to become two-face when mm-hmm. is it this issue? Nope. Is it this month? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. And how perfect that it it comes into the eleventh chapter, Roman holiday, and we get the. I believe that the origin was, uh, Maroni. Yes, I think it always was, but it was never. What am I gonna say? It was never as prominent as in this as in this book. If it is, I have not come across it. No, and and how um, how they did it, mm-hmm. how how it was an inside job. It was someone he knew. Who Damn gave you, the Vernon! <laughs> exactly, Vernon. It's just it's it's a perfect way. In the story, it's a, it's a perfect origin story because you could clearly tell he was going down a path where this he was going to become bad, and this when he does this, there's no turning back from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me, uh, that's what makes an origin story definitive. Like there there could be other ones that are that hinted it, or it's like oh he's sitting there, oh, I'm just throw like the asset, and you don't know the full background to why you would you could see it going this way and this story just does that it pushes you to this area and when you it happens you're like you know what it sucks but you you saw it coming in a way yep you you feel it for sure he's getting pushed yeah in the whole story and i think the the first the initial the initial push is the end of that first issue of the house blew up the house we just saw him and his wife going to blew up to where you're like whoa how did they both survive this and it's kind Mm -hmm. of i don't want to say drawn out because has a negative context to it but it's you know it's played out i guess for several issues where you're kind of feeling this you're seeing that he is it is an uphill battle for sure and he's not alone in it but it's still just as steep of a hill even with others and i think i love that you're taking on this journey you're really rooting for for harvey in this whole story you are 
he he really hits a hurdle for him he fe- he feels this connection that Bruce has about halfway through the story Bruce's dad helped stitch up and save Carmine Falcone when he was younger in their Falcone Maroni battle Harvey found this he thought this would this would be a major breakthrough that he needs in his fight against Falcone and it's a bust and i think that was kind of like his biggest blow mm-hmm. because he just doesn't he doesn't really have any victories no Except when Maroni Maroni shows up and wants to testify, which ultimately leads to him being disfigured in the acid right. in his face. But like, he doesn't get any victories, and I feel like you each defeat you kind of feel, and I think that's a credit to Loeb and Sale, but more so Loeb because it's story, 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 and it's emotion and it's beating down this man that we're really rooting for. Yeah, I, I agree. I would agree with that. And like you said, the one the victory he does have getting the getting a uh, Maroni to testify turns out being <laughs> probably the mm-hmm. worst victory kind of victory you could have because mm-hmm. of what happens. So um, yeah, in this story, he's he's definitely the um, what's it called the most tragic case mm-hmm. on the, the, the tragic part of it, where you have this guy who's the district attorney who he's you know high position, very he's successful. Gotham's and, uh, White Knight. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yep. Uh, to, yeah, the Dark Knight. Yeah, um, the Dark Knight plays this out perfectly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you know, it's uh, just a real tragic tale. But um, you know, again, it's one of the things that makes this book so great. The only maybe the only hiccup in it is so in the in the cartoon for Harvey's origin. Two-Face's origin, you get those hints of him kind of having the slightly like schizophrenic mind of splitting yeah. between Bad Harv and whatnot. And we, I don't feel like we get any of those lashing out moments. His the pieces that he's gets angry or something, it's like it's normal. It just seems very normal. Like, yeah, that happens. Nothing over the line, I don't think. So for him to completely lose it. It's not out there by any means. It's just kind of like, oh, maybe if we'd have seen a little bit of another side. However, I guess, as I just said, of he's getting beat down the whole story. That's the last straw where he just loses his shit. I mean, you see some moments with his wife, mm-hmm. um, like when they get when they get the other house again, like get the, the new house. And she's like, can we afford it? And he's like, no. But like, there's a warm moment there. You see tender moments of that. Um, with his wife throughout the book. But um, once he turned, obviously, once he turns, he turns. And you don't see any of that, you know, like you said, schizophrenic or the old Harvey still in there kind of moments. You don't see any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be because it's just, you know, it just happened. So he doesn't have that kind of the, the, the time there. But um, yeah, you're right. You don't see any of that kind of, uh, you know, he's still in there. There's still like, to, not to quote a Star Wars thing, but like you're, they're still good in him. You don't see any of those kind of moments. Nerd. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Keep this about Batman. Keep Star I'm sorry. Wars out of this. Jeez. I'm sorry. There's a lot, there's a lot of, of Star Wars references I could go to from this book with Harvey Dent, but I won't. All right. All right. That'll be a bonus. I'm stopping myself. That'll, that'll be the absolute edition of this episode. <laughs> Eric's commentary thoughts relating Harvey Dent to Star Wars. <laughs> well, to Anakin in Star Wars, but oh gosh, we won't. The go kid? No, episode and, one. Well, the kid? him. Period. Just the guy. <laughs> oh, we don't okay. see Harvey as a kid. 
Now, although we do in the book I read um, as a teenager, the Nightwalker. Did you read Batman Nightwalker? No. It's kind of like a a book for. It's a prose book. Hmm. Uh, Marie Lou. Um, Marie Lou is the editor and writer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I read the. I was like, wait, hold on. I have. I read the novel and the comic for that. Yeah. So yes, we have seen panels of a yes. young Harvey young, Dent. Yes. And I think there's a Harvey Dent year one story also written that's they try to connect, I think, mm-hmm. like in the time period of Long Halloween, but it's very it messes up the story and it's like, oh, you guys shouldn't have tried to do this. <laughs> I think it's it's okay. Overreaching. But yeah, trying to it's like you know, they're trying to connect it and it if you're trying to connect it, there's pieces that just don't connect. But anyways, I don't need to go down that road. So hey, I think I think we kind of hit all the points that I was thinking. Of. Is there anything extra that you want to say about the long or pieces that you want to dissect a quick or anything? No, not really. I mean, the Joker story is kind of cool in this. It's but, a classic uh, Joker. Yeah, scene, yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah, it's a kind of a classic scene. Um, it's it's just great. Like I. I <laughs> I love it. It's just it's just a great, great joke. Right, you're right. Like it's a classic Joker kind of thing that he does. We don't. And need to in his mind, it, him justifying it is like, "Hey, more yeah. than likely, the holiday killer's down there. If I kill everybody, yep. I'm going to kill the holiday killer. So you're welcome." <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, he kind of has a point. It's just, it's not good. Yeah. No. So, but uh, yeah, it's it's just a cool beat and how you first see him a break into the family's house. It's Christmas. It's just. <laughs> It's just awesome. I love mm-hmm. I love that part. So. And he does his own little his own little uh, night before Christmas bit. Yep, yep. Santa Joker. That's good. Of course, you can't have a story like this without him, right? It would have been weird. No, you have to. To, <laughs> to be in a so. definitive story, you got to bring yeah. the definitive villain. Yep. Doy. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah. Other than that, I don't think there's any other huge plots or plot devices or characters that we need to discuss. Yeah. I think we discussed all the main ones. mm -hmm. I think so. I, I want to hit a 13 issues, 13 covers. Are there any that stand out to you? I know you're not necessarily like a big, like, Oh my gosh, give me that cover, this variant, this variant, anything. But as you go to each chapter, obviously full page is the cover. Are there any that really stand up? Um, let me actually look again. I'll look. What about you? You could tell us yours. Mine's actually simple and doesn't feature any of the characters. It's the first, the first cover, the, of, uh, book one of the black cat with the pumpkin and the pumpkin, the bat symbols carved out of the pumpkin. I think that's such like, that's so Halloween. The, it's not subtle, but I guess it's kind of subtle. The, the bat symbol in the pumpkin that's that's cool black cat it's halloween it's a cat and i like cats yeah and right you can also have like oh cats cat woman you can see that mm-hmm, kind of exactly because she's in the first chapter um yeah so that one to me is just that's my favorite that's a good it's one like, can... almost the most simple is my favorite the labor day one is horrible but i know that was a challenge for for them, they say in their commentary for Sale and Loeb of Sale didn't know what the hell to do for that cover either. He's like, what do you do for Labor Day? <laughs> so, I mean. The Valentine's hard. one is, the Valentine's Day one is actually pretty cool. Um, 
because of what it obviously what it's implying. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that one is probably pretty cool. Um, one of the cooler ones. Yeah. Covers. The following month, of course, is the old Green Bush St. Patrick's Day. Poison Ivy. We're just going to call it the Green Bush. <laughs> the Green Bush. Oh, yeah, the Green Bush on oh. a long Halloween. <clears throat> All right. I definitely found my favorite, the New Year's Eve, Chapter 4. Ooh, cheers. Yes. Yeah, that one is cool. That one's cool. And the Christmas one, too. Yeah, there's a lot of good covers. See? Get into the cover game. I should. It's a whole new world. I should. It's yeah, like every time – Um. What's it called when they they when they just announced the Joker eighty thing and they're gonna have all different variant covers for it? Mm-hmm. That was actually when I was like, I should buy all of them. <laughs> I said I should get all of them. There there is some good <clears throat> covers in that. Yeah. Of course, Libra Mayhouse is the best. <clears throat> oh, that's your boy. That's my boy. Yep, my boy Libra Mayhouse. He doesn't remember me at all. That doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you have a picture, so you could always send it. <laughs> I do. It's like, look, remember like, me? Remember me? I was I was a nerd. Now I was sweaty. It was it was embarrassing. But remember me? I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. So hey, okay, so let's do one final favorite, a favorite panel. Oh wow, um, I get it would it would be the one with all the villains for me. That ding 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 that shot, yes. That's that, that is mine too. In a three hundred page book that <laughs> seriously does have very many. I think like yeah. there's there's a lot because sale the in sale and noir just go hand in hand. Yes. I think. And this is such a noir whodunit, like we've been talking about the past hour. But that that image itself and the following pages and everything, it's just such a cool Here's all the villains. And also like for a story that's early in his early in Batman's career, like these are the known aside from Solomon Grundy. It's like, this is the rogues gallery pretty much. And I don't think they're presented together like this. It's not frequent that they're in a, in one place like this, just spread out like that, you know? So that is uh yeah that's mine too so hey that's long halloween we did it we did we did this. talked about it we liked it we said some good things uh we made we came up with a new nickname for poison ivy (laughs) i think uh our bucket list is done bravo and you and you gave everyone food for thought with the overlapping killings you know i did you're welcome did that as well. Or, so. I'm sorry. This could be a choose your own adventure in which you're welcome. I'm sorry. How did you feel <laughs> about it? Go this way for that one. Go that way for that. I used to so, love those books. Oh, they were awesome. Me too. I cheated all the time though. <laughs> Most people did. Like, wait, wait. What happens if I go to page 37? I don't like that. Nope. Let's go back. Let's go back. Okay. Page 38. Totally. That's got what I want. Okay. I won the lottery. I didn't uh, total my car. Yeah, always. You always are like, eh, no, that's boring. I'll go to the other one. Oh, that one's better. We'll just finish this the book this way. <laughs> so much better. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Well, hey, Eric Holzman. Yes. Thank, thank you, sir, for joining me on this lovely adventure of Batman the Long Halloween. My favorite Batman story. We Thank can come back me. and revisit it again and again and again and again and again. And I'd be a-okay with that. But did you learn something new this time, Eric? <laughs> and maybe one day we could do Arkham Asylum since we like it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So that would be good. I have that waiting, waiting in absolute 
I haven't read it yet. Because the script is attached to that one too, and it'd be—I know that's a dangerous game to read a Grant Morrison script. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you're reading that book, you're a little nutso anyway. So yeah. I'm in. Thanks. I'm in. I'm in. So All right. before we say goodbye, uh, brag about yourself. Where can people see what's on your mind if they want to go down that scary road? Well, you can find me on various BOF podcasts. Um, most recently, I believe, was the one when the Robert Pattinson suit was revealed. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most recent one I'm on. So you can check me out on there. You can always find me on Twitter if you want to hit me up. It's at Final E33. It's really Finale 33. So if you want to Finale argue with me. 33. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to argue with me about this, about my feelings on Long Halloween or about anything, you just hit me up there. And I always love the conversation. So mm-hmm. looking forward to see- seeing some comments. And if there's any anger about the audio. Yes. Final E33, Twitter. Yes, yes. Let if him have it. there's any problems with, with the editing and the audio, that's my that's my domain. So you can – don't yell at Ryan. Yell at me. Yeah, that's right. Wow, <laughs> what a good friend. You're getting screwed in all of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, that is for Eric. And, again, you can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter at TheBatmanBC or email for the questions, comments, reviews, recommendations, or anything Batman at TheBatmanBC at gmail.com. And, lastly, follow myself at Flower underscore Ryan Lauer, spelled like lower. So, once again, thank you, Eric Holzman, for joining me. And until next time, oh, we'll have a little Minnesota guy on here talking about the sequel to this story, Dark Victory.